Hello and welcome to another one of our Kentucky Downs daily podcasts for this 2022 meet. This is our show for Monday, September 5th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the little house on the east side, about to make my way down to Brooklyn, but just for a day or two, because I am going to be at Kentucky Downs on Thursday, very much looking forward to my maiden voyage at that track. But we're here today to talk about this rescheduled Monday card, and to do that with us, we have a pair of guests. We'll start with a man who you've been enjoying on the mic at Kentucky Downs. You also probably know him as the voice of the Triple Crown. He's Larry Colmus. Larry, how are things? Oh, things are great. Uh, enjoyed my uh, unexpected day off uh, yesterday after uh, getting rained out, but uh, skies are clear right now, and uh, hopefully we've got a, a great day of racing ahead at Kentucky Downs. What is the status of those races that we did lose on Saturday? When, have they decided exactly what they're going to do with those? Yeah, the two stakes races uh, that we lost, the uh, the Mint Million is going to be run on uh, this coming Saturday, the uh, 10th. And then I believe the uh, the juvenile race that we lost is going to be on closing day, the 14th. That's the plan for those. And not sure if they're, you know, we, we lost, I think, two more races that they'll probably try to sprinkle in uh, during the remainder of the meet. Also joining us today, we have a man who's been on these airwaves many times. He's talked to us about Hong Kong. He's talked to us about many an industry issue. Today, he's going to be going over some form at Kentucky Downs. He's Pat Cummings. Pat, what's going on, my friend? Hi, Pete. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for having me back. I think I, I made my I made a, a single day appearance last year as well for, for Kentucky Downs. So Good to be back about my annual uh, uh, South Central Kentucky uh, sojourn. Do it. Let's move ahead to our regularly scheduled programming. The late pick five race number seven is another maiden, but this one's for three and up fillies and mares going seven furlongs. Larry, we'll bring you in to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I was looking at a, a horse in here. Uh, I think one of the one of the main things that I've noticed calling these races at Kentucky Downs is connections are just super important it just seems as though the same people win over and over and uh, we've got the six horse live wire in here for trainer mike maker jockey tyler gaffleone and they just dominated the first two days of this meet both have won one of them's won six races that being mike maker tyler gaffleone's won five races they've got live wire in here the six and and i think obviously they tried to get this horse on the turf at ellis park uh, the race was washed off the turf and moved over to the main track. And uh, I think this is where they want to be over the turf course here at Kentucky Downs. Uh, I think based on that first race, it wasn't an impressive first race, but the horse wasn't bet either. So I'm kind of thinking that they knew that this horse wasn't going to be live on the dirt and could improve second time out when going to the turf. Uh, the the dam spark has, has been okay as far as turf runners go. I noticed that they... Uh, they're starting to uh, breed herd of some different mares and our different stallions and and uh, uh, the breeder to justify uh, recently and and that one went for quite a bit uh, I think four hundred and some thousand dollars at the sale so I, I think that they uh, this mare is going to be okay and I, the price should be right eight to one on the morning line the other thing about Kentucky Downs is uh, despite the fact that there seems like there's 12 horses in every race. And, and believe me, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of studying 12 horses in every race. Uh, it seems as though it's pretty been, it's kind of been kind of chalky. 
you know, you haven't had a, a whole lot of blowups, but uh, maybe that's still to come with the uh, the days ahead. But I thought Livewire was was one that was interesting in here, and obviously, I, I think Shug will be the favorite with point well taken. But you know, that's a second string Shug horse who's been training at Fair Hill, and uh, you know, the one thing that 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 horse will have is be taking a lot of money being uh, having Joel Rosario riding. So I I think uh, you know maybe Livewire will be the the one we can get at a decent price. A very reasonable alternative, and it certainly makes sense to straight up prep at, uh, you know, especially in an off-the-turf race at Ellis, 60000 purse there. <laughs> that goes up to 150000 here. So there's, there's a real logic to everything Larry's saying. You know, I'll take this opportunity to go on a tangent that you've already answered part of, Larry, about the unique challenges of calling a meet like Kentucky Downs, certainly having the full fields as part of it. But I imagine there, there's more to it than that, that that makes it a bit challenging for a man in your profession. Oh, yeah, it, it, it is very challenging for sure. Uh, th- there are a lot of things uh, at Kentucky Downs that uh, you don't get anywhere else in the United States. I mean, I'm I'm sure around the world they're they're you know, this is kind of normal. But here it's it's not a it's not an oval. It's more of a kidney shaped course. Uh, and the other thing that makes it tough is just the vantage point. The uh, the announcers stand. I don't want to call it a booth because it's kind of an outside ledge, but it's uh, only three stories high. So you really the it makes the horses on the backstretch really farther away, and it makes the angles wacky. So if when they're getting to the the six furlong pole, which is where they kind of take a, a loop and then start to go downhill, you're looking at uh, a lot of white pants, uh, the backs of the jockeys. And, and, and so you're, you're, you're trying to pick out as much silks as possible. And the angle is so bad that whoever is on the inside looks like they're in front and they might not even be close to in front. I, I remember we had a seven furlong race uh, the other day and, and it was, it was 12, 11 out of the gate, right? Which made it, Real, really ridiculous because you know I'm like okay I know the one or the two is not in front I can tell that that there are other horses in front of this horse so okay let's it looks like the eight's clear of them so we'll call the eight first and all of a sudden I see the the nine go past the eight when they started to go into the turn then I see the ten go past that one then I see the eleven go past that one then I see the twelve go past that one and it's it's basically been twelve eleven the whole way but you have no way of telling that. You know, you can't tell off the monitor. You can't tell off the binoculars. So, um, you know, you, you just you sort of, after a while, you just sort of get through it. You know, you're like, okay, uh, let's let them run a few steps or whatever and, and see what's what's going on. Let them separate themselves. So uh, the hard ones are definitely the six and a half furlong and the seven furlong ones. The other ones, you with a, a mile and longer, you have a chance to let them separate themselves before they go into that, that dip. Uh, and the and the wing around and whatever you want to call it, and then the other thing too, when they turn for home, it is an absolute head-on shot uh, from my vantage point, and you have no perspective. Uh, you're 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 trying to tell you know who's making the moves, but you're so low that it is just uh, a very difficult thing. And uh, a lot of times I'll go to monitor for a while, but that doesn't always help either. So it's. It's a challenge, but it's a lot of fun at the same time. Pat, you've called some races. I can imagine you shaking your head in uh, in 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 sympathy as Larry describes those conditions. Is it something you'd ever try? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if given the opportunity, uh, you know, you, you'd certainly want to give it a go. Uh, I think it's incredibly fun for, for anyone who's called there. And, and I'm, I'm certainly, uh, I, I wouldn't want to trade places with Larry. Let's put it that way. Um, it, it's a fun experience, I'm sure. But even, even when you go there and, and you watch and, uh, I brought my binoculars last year, it, it really is such a, 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 an incredible challenge. And I want to say that, that when the horses hit the, that far turn and kind of are, are really still running away from you, that, that that might be the farthest point in North American racing where, you know, mainstream North American racing, not some of the steeplechase meets necessarily, but um, in mainstream North American racing, where the, that's the, the farthest point that horses will ever be away from you. Um, I, I think it probably competes a little bit with the downhill turf course at Santa Anita in that regard, but the difference would be that um, that that the horses, when they're coming down the hill, are actually running towards you as opposed to uh, at, at Kentucky Downs where they're really running away and, and, and truly running away from you, um, which makes it so unique. But it, it's all kind of part of the fun and, and the, the – the attraction of of the six or seven days a year that they race there, and, and I've really enjoyed going the last couple of years. Let's hey, get Pat, back. You mentioned uh, you mentioned you need binoculars there. The one other thing you need is wasp spray. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Larry, isn't it really the only exposed booth, uh, pretty much in in mainstream American racing? I guess, yeah. For the most part, I mean, uh, I think so. I call, I call the Preakness out on the roof. But okay. uh, that's I'm not the track announcer. Dave, Dave's got a Dave's got a little uh, cover. Yeah, he's in a regular room, so it, it's fun. We we make fun of it, but it's 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 a good time in the racing. I'm track. hearing I'm hearing fun from both of you in air quotes a little bit when it comes to the when it comes to the announcing anyway. For certainly for racing fans, it's, it might be a little bit of a different story. We got to get back to business, guys. I told you how we're going to make this lean and mean, and I'm I'm taking us down all all these tangents so far. So let's get back to race number seven where Larry made an excellent case for live wire. Pat, how do you see this? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Live wire is, is definitely an A on my tickets. The, the one horse, and I'm also very much against point well taken. Remember, these are also older fillies and mares, uh, some of them. And, uh, you know, the, the one that I thought was well worth giving a, another try to is, is Mint Edition number four. Uh, coming off of the layoff for Ian Wilkes, um, certainly, you know, some things have obviously not gone according to plan for this daughter of Stay Thirsty. But I thought getting her back on the turf, she has actually run OK in some maiden races previously on grass uh, with the freshening now might be the time. And frankly, with some of the give out of the ground, um, I thought Mint Edition might come into the frame at, at, at maybe a bit of a price. So I was going to use Mint Edition in addition to uh, Live Wire on my A-line in, in the pick five. Did you want to mention any B-type runners, Pat? No obligation to, but if you have them prepared, yeah, you might I'm, well. I'm, I'm definitely going to use that first-time starter drawn on the outside, Charmant for Cherie DeVoe, whose barn's been going very well at Saratoga. Granted, this one's been in Kentucky the whole time, but uh, I thought there were some reasons to, to like her. Um, again, you know, a, a three-year-old filly debuting in September – um, you get an idea, uh, but the dam has produced a turf winner. So I, I thought Charmont was one to use and, you know, uh, the five troublemaking and the seven blessing the flag, eventually they're going to get one on the board here sometime. And it's just a question of how you're structuring your tickets. If you want to hold safe with one of them. 
Let's pull ahead to race number eight. We've got an allowance race for three and up going one mile. Pat, we'll keep it with you. I really thought this was the toughest race in the entire sequence, Pete. Um, and kind of a, um, you know, f- figure out as, as a player, you know, did, did you want to spread or take a stand? Um, but really just competitive top to bottom. Um, and look, you know, to no one's surprise, I guess, uh, you know, you say these things sometimes and, and you could end up simply with another Maker Gaffalione winner. Um, number uh, six, Ricochet is unbeaten for Mike Maker in two starts since uh, taking over the duties for Michael Trombetta. Um, you know, this just has the look of a type that Maker just keeps improving with. Source have been claimed for $35,000 back in February. Um, so, you know, do you want to take the stand with Ricochet uh, or do you want to, to, to spread? The, the, the other one that, you know, I think is, is well in the frame here is Vivar, notably a, a winner on yielding going here at Kentucky Downs, which, which really is, a, I think, you know, meaningful form. Uh, for for today's uh, races and if, if any more rain does come into the area but one impressively and then I think almost to his detriment uh, won an off the turf race at Keeneland in October and got the connections thinking they would try and, and head down the triple crown trail and that clearly did not work and something went amiss with Vivar after his uh, listless performance in the southwest but with some uh, local experience under his belt, getting back on grass uh, for Brad Cox, uh, who, mind you, only has one win so far um, in the uh, abbreviated, essentially one and a half days of racing. It was a very narrow win in in the mess with Chop Chop the other day. Um, Vivar is going to get Lasix for the first time, so, so there might be a you know interest in 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 using a horse like that but anyway in my tickets the way i'm actually personally going to play it, i'm going to single ricochet and just take a stand uh even though I, I recognize it's a really tough race all right larry well how do you see this one i'm a big fan of ricochet as well and uh i i i don't think the race is as quite as tough as uh, pat did i i just i think this horse is just everything going for him being uh, in that Mike Maker barn where he's done a, a perfect job with Ricochet, the horse is in ideal form. If you go back to September of last year, Ricochet ran second over this turf course at 22 to one, uh, you know, for, with a different barn back then. But this horse is obviously, you know, can can handle the course. Uh, the connections are, are perfect. He's in fine form, and I think he's got a lot going for him. I, I thought Vivar was an interesting point that Pat brought up. And the other, the other horse that's the big question mark is, is newsworthy uh, for Bill Mott. I, I just don't like these layoff lines. Um, you know, that horse has got back-to-back wins, but has not run since December. Did win over this turf course at 16 to one. So there's some positives with newsworthy, but you know, what's up with, uh, you know, taking two months off and then, and then taking off since December, there's just, there's too many question marks for me with that one. So, uh, and in for the, uh, in for the claiming tag, uh, today of 62.50. So I think Ricochet, uh, to me, would be a single. And, uh, you know, Vivar, uh, like Pat said, would be one that's interesting to uh, maybe play in exactness. Makes sense. Uh, we've got the, the key horse there and the potential vertical use as well. Lots of agreement on the panel. Usually that bodes well on these shows. We'll go ahead to race number nine. We've got the Exacta Systems Dueling Grounds Oaks going a mile and five sixteenths with half a million in the pot. Larry, who do you think is going to win this one? 
Well, I think one thing we will have is a scratch of Gimme Mo Baby, who ran here the other day. Um, you know, Turner Loose is another one uh, who uh, we know loves Kentucky Downs. Uh, she was uh, super impressive here in the juvenile Phillies last year, won by five lengths against some pretty good horses, and then, you know, continued on. She looks like uh, that prep race she had at Ellis Park is going to do her a world of good. Uh, she was she was pretty solid in the Kentucky Oaks, uh, behind the best in the country with some traffic trouble that day. This is back where she likes to be on the turf course, and uh, I think it's a, a great spot for her. Uh, so I'm not sure uh, not sure who's going to ride because Florent Giroux is supposed to go uh, to Saratoga today uh, to ride. So I, I think there'll be a jockey change there. Another horse that was super impressive here was California Angel when she broke her maiden, uh, and everybody was talking about that back last year at 28 to one and a maiden special weight here coming from way, way back. Uh, and that race was, uh, you know, that race was backed up by the Jessamine win. So she's obviously very talented. The question mark with her is the time off. But I, I think this race revolves around uh, Turner Loose in here. New Year's Eve is the morning line favorite. But to me, Turner Loose is uh, the one to beat. I like the sound of it. Maybe mix in a little California Angel somewhere. Should be a, a rock-solid price, I would think, in this spot. Pat, what is your opinion on the Dueling Grounds Oaks? You know, there's a lot of similarities, I think, with you know, or some similarities in terms of Vivar and Turner Loose in the sense that, you know, both of them, you know, happened to win a dirt race. Uh, and and it kind of took them off of what might be their their really their preferred surface and and certainly turn her loose is, is well within range here. But you know the horse I like the most is is drawn on the outside although actually the the AE I'm sure is going to get in here but, but that's number twelve skims for Shug McGahey Julian Leperu will get the ride. Um, Pinch back at the start at Saratoga last time, raced way off the pace as a result, I think was really kind of taken out of her game. She advanced while saving ground and then just had a ton of traffic in the stretch, really couldn't do anything there, um, never had a chance to run. And then two back in the Lake George was just kind of wide both turns, ran evenly. Uh, but, uh, you know, I go back to that race at Keeneland in April, and I think if you were third behind Spenderella and Dolce Zell, both of whom, you know, Spenderella obviously be much shorter, but 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 Dolce Zell would, would probably be uh, the favorite in this race uh, if she had shown up. Um, I, I really think there's still you know reasons to keep going to the well on skims. And look, plenty of betters have been going to the well on skims, right, since that partic- particular performance. In the Appalachian, she's been five to two twice. Um, you know, I, I, I thought there were reasons to think that Skims could um, c- could run a better race and improve race with maybe a better trip. And that performance three back in the Wonder again at Belmont over the yielding going again against a, a very decent horse in consumer spending. I I thought that uh, you know she showed a, an ability to get over that that course. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to rely with Skims as as a top play, and I'll I'll take my chances with Turner Loose on a, on a minor line. All right, makes sense to me. Yeah, big question for me about Skims. It's a question, but it's a question I think she might answer in the affirmative. How is she going to deal with the extra ground? I like the fact that the best figure came the farthest she was going, and I like the way she's finished up her her races as well as one who could potentially really like this configuration. We'll learn a lot more 
in a few hours. Let's move to the featured race of the day, the grade three big-ass fans dueling grounds derby, just the companion race of the one we just spoke about. And Pat, we'll turn to you for your idea of the winner. Yeah, so with with both of these races, you know, I think it's it's occasionally we, we, we get caught up in the, the prize money that's on offer um, and lose sight of either the listing or, or the grading of the race. And, you know, the Dueling Grounds Oaks, to a degree, is is really a, a step back in class for a couple of those uh, fillies, at least on paper. And, you know, this this is a step up for some in, in the Dueling Grounds Derby and, and not for others. And, you know, ready to perform, drawn outside, um, you know, is, is going to have to step up and, and, and move off of that Hall of Fame performance where, uh, you know, certainly you ran incredibly well, but over a trip that, that's shorter and certainly less testing than this one is going to be. Um, I, I kind of want to look for a horse that I think is just going to be a grinder in here. And I'll be honest, I was very impressed, very taken by the maiden win of running B at Saratoga last time over the mile and three sixteenths. Um, there has been very little to come out of that race and really start since. But the, I mean, you want to talk about a key race, the July 2nd maiden where he was coming off of a long layoff. Um, you know, clearly something uh, went amiss after, uh, after his uh, single race in, in 2021. But uh, the, the, the maiden win by Capensis, every horse out of that race has since come back to record a, a maiden win, um, at least a maiden win. Uh, all six of them broke their maiden, uh, five of them in maiden special company. Uh, you don't find a lot of races like that uh, in form lines. Capensis goes in the Virginia Derby um, uh, this week. Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, yeah. So... Uh, you know, running B obviously needed that race, and and in that race at Saratoga, it, where where he does break his mean very impressively, right, almost four lengths, was was kind of pushed along by Manny Franco, um, you know, nearing the end of the backstretch, and he just looks like he's going to run all day. Uh, they did not spend a lot for this horse, right? Nineteen thousand um, dollars, but the pedigree just really suggests this horse is going to want to just keep running and running and running. And I think you know, in this race, we've got you know some milers um, that that are likely to, to take plenty of action. The six double clutch, as I mentioned, ready to perform. So I'm going to to plant my flag uh, on running B. Um, and you know, yeah, underneath, uh, I'm going to use the logicals, but, but I want to, I want running B in this and going forward. And, um, that, that's, that's where I'm going to, going to go. Planting the flag with running B and any moisture still in the turf only going to help that one. I Absolutely. Being by English channel that, that leaps off the page for sure. Larry, how do you see this one? What do you think of ready to perform and running B and all the rest of them? I am going to try to uh, beat them all with some, uh, bombs here in this race. Uh, I like a couple of horses and they're both trained by the same trainer, Michelle Nihe, uh, number three, always above a number five Mount Rundle who are 15 to one and 20 to one on the morning line. Uh, one of the things I, I use to, uh, handicap or thoroughgraph sheets and <laughs> these horses, before you look at the morning line, you're like, okay, just looking at the sheets, these horses look like they might be the best two horses in the race. And then I'm looking and I'm seeing they're 15 to one and 20 to one. 
so, I mean, that's always a huge thing. But add to that that Always Above has already wanted a mile and three-eighths at Churchill Downs on the turf course there uh, in really impressive fashion by almost five lengths in a maiden race. And then last time out at Colonial, they were just walking along and the horse made a really nice run at the end in there uh, behind Red Knight and Snap Decision. And, you know, some horses that are obviously very talented, Snap Decision, more so over jumps. But uh, but always above has been keeping some pretty good company. And I think 15 to one is a, a really nice price on that runner. The other one, Mount Rundle, is, is an improving sort whose numbers just keep getting better. As well, uh, that horse won going a mile and a 16th at Churchill in a maiden race. And, and at Ellis last time out, even though the horse finished eighth, uh, it came back a big number. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think that with those prices at 20 to 1 uh, and 15 to 1, you're looking at a, a chance to uh, blow up a ticket and get some great value in this uh, sequence. Some creative ideas that make a lot of sense. Certainly, you go from battle-tested, older stakes-type performers to straight three-year-olds, that's something that sometimes doesn't really get priced in and can obviously work to the runner's advantage. One more race to talk about, race number 11. It's our nightcap. We've got these two-year-old maiden fillies going seven furlongs. Larry, will ask you the key question. How are we going to get paid? We're going to get paid. We, we don't even have to go farther than the one horse in here. Hold my crown. Uh, that's going to be the, the pick for me for William Walden. Uh, first time out at Ellis, uh, they were just smoking early on in that race. Hold my crown, couldn't keep up. Uh, made a nice, even effort going five and a half. I think that extra distance is going to be a big help to hold my crown. I love that inside post with Ricardo Santana Jr. It's a hot barn, and uh, I think it's a, a big play coming uh, right back a, a week after that first race and uh, we're, we're going to go for hold my crown in the nightcap i like it uh, easy as the first runner for larry pat how do you see this one well we might not get the 10 to 1 on hold my crown because because i'm all over this horse too um <laughs> to to say that that was a um a twelve hundred eighty dollar workout uh, I think would be a would 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 be an understatement. Uh, she was handled incredibly gingerly by Gerardo Corrales in that win and or in that uh, in that that first off performance, mind you, a week ago at Ellis. Um, you don't see that often, and and we're going to get that here now. William Walden of his sixteen lifetime starts as a trainer. This is his first year as as uh, as a trainer, son of Elliot Walden. Um, he actually one of those four. One of his four wins came from a second-time starter, uh, who was also handled gingerly on debut, and and won at a nice price. Uh, I'm a big fan. Say again, Larry. That I'm liking this info. You're yeah. <laughs> so I I, I think uh, I'm very similarly withhold my crown uh, with Larry, and and I I had this horse you know kind of isolated on top in my play. Uh, so so I. I don't know if it's if it's a straight single, but uh, I was there. And, and look, you know, part of that bullishness I think comes from from having, uh, you know, not a ton of positive uh, thoughts on some of the other horses. And and you know, Larry mentioned, uh, you know, a, a second or a third stringer. You know, there was a horse that ran on opening day for Brad Cox uh, named Donegal Factor for Donegal Stables that trained by Brad Cox. It was coming out of his Indiana barn, and you know, 
you, you you look at the connections, you say there's there's a Belmont winning connection. There's a, there's a, a one of the top trainers in the country bringing in a, a, an unraced two year old uh, that, that, that's been training in Indiana. Um, and he was very well supported, but ran very flat. Um, and I look at a horse like Queen's Garden here in this in this last race for Shug McGahey, Leperu riding off of a you know decent uh, debut win. And you know, I think a lot of horse players look at Shug McGahey and see him send a horse in here and, and will think positively. But um, I, I don't think that uh, you know, she's definitely one I want to take on in this spot. I think. And don't forget, you've got Chad Brown here too. Uh, sending down beat the estimates. There's there there are certainly reasons to like beat the estimates, um, but the factor is is only about eleven percent first time starters, and that same number on on grass. And certainly as a sire, nearly all of his top earners have have accumulated those figures on grass. Um, the dam um, was almost exclusively tested on grass for Barkley Tag and has produced some grass runners, but nothing that's going to knock, uh, knock your socks off uh, and has been at Churchill all summer, uh, which really, I think, does suggest that this horse has been a bit of, uh, of Chad. And frankly, the owner, uh, uh, Seth Clareman's Claravich Stable, second string. So the connections certainly warrant respect. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at, there's some other intangible factors here. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly willing to take on a, a first or like beat the estimates. I wanted to have some respect for play the music. Um, uh, but the, the, the horse that, that really, I think, you know, if, if I was trying to, to be cautious here, um, would probably be number nine, watch this money, the daughter of Munnings who will, will go on the grass for the first time for Steve Asmussen, um, did, uh, run her over the uh, Saratoga, Oklahoma course to get a, a workout on the grass. I thought her moving to the grass uh, was maybe eligible to improve a little bit. But uh, I was going to take a chance with, with 10 to 1, uh, hold this crown, but uh, or hold my crown, and, and Larry and I, uh, you know, maybe we'll celebrate uh, uh, a nice a nice win for William Walden in the last today. Good stuff. I like the I like the case. I like the enthusiasm for hold my crown. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this late pick five. Gentlemen, I really appreciate your time this morning, and we'll close out by thanking you and, and saying I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing you both on Thursday. Thanks, Pete. Sounds great, Pete, and hopefully hold my crown won't be 8 to 5. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully, I think there's enough in there to make the market. I think we'll be, I think we'll be okay. We'll also thank our sponsors. That includes uh, our friends at the, this FanDuel Meet at Kentucky Downs. Been great working with them. Also great working with our friends, the Betmakers, who are sponsoring the day on Thursday. I'm coming down for, as folks know who listen to these airwaves, very excited about learning more about fixed odds betting in the USA. It's going great in Jersey so far for horse players with 70% of horses paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote. Betmakers who power those fixed odds where the odds you bet are the odds you get. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for tuning into these shows. We've had lots of nice comments about our Kentucky Downs coverage. It's going to keep rocking and rolling throughout the meet. You can also go back and check out our meet preview, more of an evergreen show that we dropped last week as well, if you want more from us. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>